All right, welcome to the 1615, a podcast from the Ministry of Avantel. And before we move any further, uh, there's an immediate question on everybody's mind. What is the 1615? What does that represent? Uh, I know it's a burning question. Samantha, you want to officially ask the question from, from the perspective of our audience? Yeah, Brock, what what does the 1615 even mean? That's an amazing question. <laughs> and uh, it comes from Mark 1615, uh, which says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And that's the purpose of this podcast, to encourage and equip Christians to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We want to encourage you. We want to equip you. We want to inspire you. We want to have some fun along the way. Uh, it's a podcast from the ministry of Avantel, and that makes people want to ask, what is Avantel? <laughs> we are an evangelism ministry. It's been around for 50 years, training and equipping Christians to share the gospel with confidence, clarity, and kindness. In the past 50 years, we've held uh, almost 1 million evangelism trainings and have per- facilitated almost 50 million gospel presentations. Just doing an incredible amount of work, training and equipping Christians to share their faith, uh, but also uh, uh, providing resources and tools to missionaries and mission-sending organizations all uh, around the world. Uh, it's just an incredible ministry. It's awesome to be a part of it. Uh, makes us think, uh, who are we? Um, I, I am Brock Anderson. I'm the Vice President of Communications at, at, at Avantel, and I have a co-host over here, uh, the wonderful Samantha Pond. Samantha, let me tell them a little bit about what you do at Avantel. Yeah, so I am the Digital Marketing Specialist here at Avantel. I work right next to Brock, and it's been a really fun time working with everybody at the office. Yeah, so uh, Samantha runs uh, everything with our website and our social media. So when you see things on our YouTube channel, you can go to youtube.com slash Avanto um, <laughs> and, and watch our videos or you find us on X or Twitter or whatever it's called this week. Uh, you can see our wonderful, encouraging posts there or you can follow us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Instagram. We have all sorts of encouraging content, equipping content out there uh, for you to follow. But if you go to our website at Avanto.org, you can uh, find training there uh, to become more confident and and sharing your faith uh, and and you can find great resources just for becoming more equipped uh, in evangelism just by going over to evantel.org uh, so anything you see there on the website or on social media that's just amazing inspiring encouraging it's from samantha and so you can thank her for that uh, as the vice president of communications anything you see that you're very discouraged with and and uh, frustrated at that's my fault and so um, my apologies for that uh, <laughs> with that, with that said <laughs> <laughs> that's who Avantel is. That's why we're called the uh, 1615. That's who who we are. We also have a guest with us today. It's uh, Meg Wagnon, uh, who's a missionary. And Meg, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. I started in the mission field about five years ago in the Middle East and have absolutely loved getting to know the culture, the people, and get to experience something that I feel is very outside of the normal American church life. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and uh, Meg was in Palestine uh, when the war between Israel and, and uh, Hamas broke out and has an amazing story about how God just revealed himself time and time again uh, during that process from um, when it started to um, her escape um, back to the United States. And we, we, uh, we have a great interview um, with, with Meg um, that we have on our website, and there's a link to that in the show notes. And so be sure to, to watch that. Uh, just an amazing, phenomenal story. Um, I shared it with my own family. Uh, we watched it, and uh, just my own kids, my wife, uh, were just um, blown away uh, just by by how God moved uh, 
throughout that whole situation. So yeah, definitely, definitely check that out. We're, we're thrilled that you were able to make time to, to be with us today on this inaugural podcast that, that we have. Um, one of the things that we found that was very interesting <laughs> uh, when we got uh, everyone together is that uh, we represent fan bases from very different colleges um, that um, just hate each other to their core <laughs> when it comes to rivalries. when it comes to sports uh, rivalry. So uh, I represent the fan base of OU being in, in Dallas. That's not the biggest um, uh, wonderful thing to to uh, admit. Um, and Samantha, um, where where are you hailing from? <laughs> I'm, I'm hailing from. <laughs> I'm hailing from. I am a major Longhorn fan, so that's really unfortunate, it Brock. Very, that you're an OU fan. <laughs> yeah, it's disappointing to hear that uh, you're a Longhorn fan. Uh, and then Meg, you represent the worst of us all. Even oh. more, <laughs> even more unfortunate when I say I graduated Texas A&M class of 2017. A whoop. A whoop for the A&M, whoop. which those of us who are in the North Texas area have heard that at countless business meetings, uh, church congregations, just about anywhere you go. Uh, when you see the ring, the whoop is following shortly after. That um, is true. But, and a bumper sticker. And a, and a bumper <laughs> sticker. Uh, but the other thing it goes to show is how we can have camaraderie in Christ, even even through the discrepancies that we have in <laughs> fan bases of, of colleges. Um, uh, but that was, that was just kind of an interesting tidbit that came out when we all, we all uh, came together. And I really want to uh, kick off this next uh, little section here uh, using our, our friend that is both useful and terrifying, um, chat GPT, um, of giving us a random evangelism topic just to kind of chat about um, that. One of the purposes of this podcast is just to have a, a relevant discussions on um, evangelism, how it relates to what's going on in the world today. And uh, AI is a major thing <laughs> that's going on in, in the world today. And it has been useful in ministries. It's useful in, in uh, helping people think of ways to share the gospel. And, and uh, we've talked about that in some resources that we've put out before. Um, but it can also help generate very random ideas on how to share the gospel. And so we're going to put one in here now in ChatGPT uh, and see what it, what it puts out for us on uh, a random topic to discuss about evangelism. And what it's going to give us is, sure, let's discuss the topic of building bridges and evangelism. So building bridges. Let's talk about building bridges and evangelism. So, uh, Samantha, I'll let you kick this off. Uh, how do you build bridges in, in evangelism from the beginning of the conversation to thinking about moving toward the gospel? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think for me, it's, I mean, if I'm talking to someone that I don't even know where they're at with spiritual things, it's kind of asking the right questions that maybe will open up a door of opportunity if that makes sense. So, mm -hmm. you know, kind of figuring out, um, oh, you know, do you celebrate holidays? What holidays do you celebrate? And I think that's a good one, um, especially just because we're coming out of the holiday season. Mm -hmm. um, and then too, you know, asking them just like personal questions that can kind of give you an idea where they're at. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great response. Yeah, especially out of nowhere with the random topics from AI. Uh, Meg, what do you think? How do you build bridges? Absolutely. I would say taking some of what Samantha said, building into someone's identity and building into mm -hmm. 
how they identify themselves and some of the most core values that they hold and how they describe themselves. When you ask someone who they are, is it going to be something that they're taking root in their career or their family or where those values lie? And then bringing that around to our identity as followers of Christ and the sureness that that brings us going forward. Yeah, for sure. I think identity is a big one. Yeah, it is. And and just in my experience in life, I just found out, you know, people surround themselves um, with opportunities to start conversations. Um, they let you know the things they care about, um, how they decorate their house, um, the things that they, that they put in primary areas for you to look at, um, how they adorn themselves. Um, and then conversations are really just like um, symphonies. They're the, there's these wonderful musicals to listen to. And as you're listening to people carefully, uh, the things they care about become these moments of crescendo um, as they as they share about whether it's their family or whether it's just a situation, whether it's positive or negative going on. Uh, you see those things that they care about. And when you're genuinely interested in, in wanting to get to know them, not just with an objective to get to the gospel, but when you're genuinely interested in wanting to get to know them, you just start asking naturally those questions of, hey, tell me more about that because I'm really curious about uh, this part of your life um, because I really want to be in prayer for you. I really want to hear more uh, about the story that you have. And so that bridge begins being built um, because there's authentic care um, uh, for the person in, in my experience. And and sometimes it gets to the gospel and, and sometimes it, 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 do, it does not. Um, but what the, what the person has seen, and I, I just had this happen uh, recently, is uh, people that were very cold and uh, had told us that they had no interest um, in, in Christianity because um, Christians were hypocrites, and that's why they turned their back on, on Christianity. Um, now that, that uh, I got to put my arm around one of those people and just pray with them in the middle of a grocery store um, because I just happened to see her there, and she was in tears, just going through a really hard time, and uh, she would have never been interested in in that at, at all um but be, because she's seen the care and the authenticity um because of what christ is doing um in this in this uh, relationship with with her and her husband and, and just our families um that this opportunity opens for her to learn more about who jesus is um despite um unfortunate situations that she's experienced with uh, with people who have hurt her in the past and and that's just i just think that's an awesome way to build uh, to build bridges, just listening and uh, following up on that. Um, and that was a longer answer than I expected to give. <laughs> it was a great answer. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, building bridges is critical in evangelism. We should never um, be seeking to um, jump across, like build build the bridge, get, the, get to know the person. And I think each of us um, had that, that kind of um, answer there. And uh, so thank you to ChatGPT. <laughs> for providing that uh, that random topic. We'll do that uh, again next time as well. Uh, and with that said, I, I think we want to turn into a time where, where uh, May, we just want to ask you um, just a few questions about your experience. Like I said, you have an, an amazing, very relevant, very timely experience right now. Um, but just the the experience you have as a missionary uh, is amazing. Someone whose, whose focus is on sharing the gospel uh, with those here and those overseas and just the heart you have for that. And I uh, just want to take some time just to hear more about your heart um, in, in that area. Um, and so if you could just uh, tell us how the process of of uh, moving into mission work, what that looked like. Absolutely. The Lord really was the author of that story from start to finish because I had zero intention. I mean, I grew up in a Christian family going to church, but 
my idea of that was something that took a past experience of having a chronic illness and being in the hospital all the time to I'm going to go into nursing and bless other people like my nurses blessed me. And the Lord's going to tie this up in a beautiful bow. And he allowed my chronic illness to take my fear of medicine and needles and blood to something that I was passionate about and enjoyed studying. And so actually went to AM to study medicine. And as I was graduating, just felt the Lord say, hey, take take some time before you start in on the medical school journey. And so I actually went overseas to serve in a hospital for a year mm. over in Nazareth, Israel. And while I was there, the Lord very, very slowly, very beautifully wove that story so that I was very confident in stepping out of a calling to medical, I guess the medical realm into missions. Not that he doesn't still use the medical realm for missions. And that's something that as I'm looking at going back, one of the ways that I can go back into the mission field is to go back as a trauma medic again. But the Lord really wove that and brought me to a place of full reliance on him for that perfect provision so that then I could find my passion for the people of the Middle East and their stories. Wow. Oh. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's amazing. So you can talk about the the Middle East. Uh, uh, part of your story is uh, just recently uh, being in the West Bank, as we mentioned, when um, everything tragic that uh, kind of kicked off did kick off. Um, but tell us a little bit about that and and um, just the experience being in the the West Bank and and getting getting out of that. It was a harrowing experience. I tell this story, and it's still surreal that that's actually something that I went through and that I survived because there's truly no human way for you to wrap your head around being in the middle of a very hostile region and watching the Lord every three hours or so, I would get the feeling to move, take a step, and I would just follow that Holy Spirit gut feeling and step forward, not knowing what exactly that was supposed to look like, what exactly I was supposed to do. But he met me in each of those places and facilitated my move out of a very heavily occupied, dangerous area to a safe home and then protected us from rockets and different things there. And then actually took me back through the West Bank and out the northern border with Jordan Mm -hmm. in order to bring me back to the States to safety. And that is something that As we were driving back through that final morning, the Lord was very obviously blinding eyes at checkpoints and allowing us to just make an incredible, incredible journey. And our sweet driver wanted to ease our nerves. And so he's making it into a tour and he's like, here's the Dead Sea at sunrise and here's the city of Jericho and all of those stories of, I mean, Jericho and the walls falling and the Lord going ahead and then we're driving up and he asks if we know of a man named Zacchaeus and we're all like yes we know of a man named Zacchaeus and he said oh well his family's farm where he would have encountered Jesus is off in this field to the right and there's a field of beautiful sycamore trees and it was something that was so timely because before he needed to see Jesus the tree had already been planted to meet his need and that's Mm -hmm. something that I saw the Lord really bringing my story to completion of he had met each of those needs before I, before I knew I needed them. 
Yeah. And I mean, yeah. that just had to have an, an incredible, um, just, and we all have those, those moments, right. Where, where our faith is just, um, it affected and impacted in ways and, and it affects obviously our witness to others as well. Um, and so, I mean, how did, how does, how did that just really impact your faith and, and your, your, uh, just witness to others? It has definitely brought around a boldness, not that you don't have to have a level of boldness to decide to step out onto the international mission field to begin with, but it's brought a level of, I guess, comfort within that boldness of knowing that in each of the situations that I encounter, he has gone before me, truly. He is before me, behind me, beside me, and within me, and that's something that no matter how hard I may try to escape in my humanness, I can't escape. And so he has given me that power and that witness and that testimony. And that's something that I have zero desire to waste because when I look back at everyone I left behind there, they don't have that ability right now. Their every move is a dangerous one. And so if I can be that voice that encourages others to trust in the Lord and brings some sense of stability, that is something that I will absolutely, absolutely speak out for is the stories of all of the innocents that are left behind there. Yeah, yeah, it's just a, just an incredible testimony and, and uh, uh, those, those testimonies that, that we have, they, they, they matter uh, just so much when it comes to, to sharing our faith because it's, it's really just what God is doing in your story it is what really helps um, other people see how he moves um, when they're not inter- when they're not interested or have access to uh, to the scriptures. Um, you know, John MacArthur famously said, "You know, you're oftentimes the only Bible someone will ever read," and and that 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 becomes very true in our experience with other people as we share you know, what we experience in our testimonies. And just an incredible um, testimony there. Um, I wanted to switch a little bit of a roundtable question for all of us, uh, which which is just to think of a a testimony or a time that that we shared the gospel with somebody and experience. Uh, that's really just stood out um, among the others, just to encourage those who are listening, who are maybe really interested in sharing their faith, but um, maybe not sure how to take that first step, um, or uh, have shared their faith, and, and maybe just felt a little bit discouraged with the experiences they've had. Um, so I want to share some of those um, that have stood out, whether they are um, encouraging, or wh- whether they're discouraging, or whether it's led to somebody saying yes to the Lord, or whether you know somebody said no at that time. Um, and Meg, I'll let you kick us off. Absolutely. So I have a couple that come to mind, all of them from my classroom in the West Bank. And I would say each of these situations, the Lord really led the conversation. And it was a preemptive conversation to what would happen next in the students' lives and things that they would witness. And so at one point we were having a conversation in our religion class and one of the kids asked about, um, turning the other cheek, which is not something that we see as a key form in either Judaism or the Muslim religion. This idea of an eye for an eye is something that is very ingrained in that culture. And so the idea of turn the other cheek is very foreign to them. It's not something that they've ever heard before, this idea of grace and forgiveness. And it's a radical idea for them of being able to extend that grace and forgiveness as they've been forgiven, but they're learning that each and every day. And so we had that conversation of what that looks like and why we do it. We love because he first loved us. And we had this conversation and the next class period, I'm with some of these same students and 
one student provokes another and it ends up with a massive issue in the classroom with one student being pinned up against a wall and held and me as a teacher having to physically intervene. And I asked one of the students as he was, you know, coming out of this, I was like, why, why didn't you fight back? And he said, well, we just, we just talked about turning the other cheek and what that looks like. And that was something that, you know, all of these conversations, it's very easy to think that we're going to start here and 20 minutes later, we're going to be deep in the gospel and it's going to be something that radically changes their lives. And there are situations where that's the case, but missions a lot of times looks different. It looks like planting one small seed at a time. And for those students, seeing that seed planted and then seeing the fruit that came out of that an hour later of him having utter peace and not being injured following this altercation was huge. And so that's one of those conversations that really sticks out is that idea of grace and turning the other cheek in a world that is not really traditionally in our humanness mm-hmm. taking that on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a great story. Great story. Yeah. Great example. Uh, I think um, I'll go next. Um, the one, one that sticks out uh, for me is a, a friend's brother uh, that I was getting to know a little bit and uh, almost right off the bat, you know, knew I was a, a Christian and wanted to let me know I am an atheist. <laughs> Just so we, we would know where everybody stands right off the bat. And, uh, and, you know, kind of had the idea of like, I know what, you know, kind of what your goal is here. Uh, uh, when really we just got acquainted, um, uh, through happenstance and, and it was, uh, uh, it wasn't until later that I found out that his sister was, was one of our friends. Uh, but, uh, but we just, we just hung out. And when he found that out, he was just like, Oh, you want to condemn me for, for drinking and, and some of the other things that I do. And I'm just like, Oh, not at all. It's like, just, uh, just want to sit and talk and, and hang out and get to know a little bit more. Um, and, but it was, one particular um, time after we had finished watching um, a, a movie, we, we went to a movie together and had a great time, but there was just, uh, there were a few uh, overtones in the movie that I just couldn't let escape. Um, just a, a few things about, about judgment and about grace and, and just kind of talking to him about on, on the way, on the way back. And he had uh, clearly gotten frustrated in, in the car, but he wasn't frustrated at me at all. Um, we were just having a, a great conversation, but you could see that there was frustration with himself as I was just talking about these, this idea of, of grace and, and that uh, we have this forgiveness that's, that's available to us through, through God. And uh, there's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to attain that. that it's, it's only something that can be received. And, and uh, the only thing preventing you is, is you um, not saying yes to that. Um, but, uh, but over the several conversations, um, he, he knew the fullness of, of what it meant uh, to trust in Christ. Um, but I, I remember him talking about how all religions are basically the same. And there was just this moment um, where this um, image came to me of, of how the, it's, it's not the similarities that matter, it's the differences. And uh, we walked through that a little bit. And uh, there's an example given through another ministry that I follow of, of just two white tablets on a table. And uh, from, from a distance, they look exactly the same. And as you get closer, they're still white, they're still small, they're still circular. Um, and as you get even closer, um, that you can finally see that on one there's a T and on, on the other one there's a C. And the T is for Tylenol and the C is for cyanide. 
And, and I told him there's only one difference between those two pills, but it's an astronomical difference. And, and so it's not so much the similarities that matter uh, between um, all of these different uh, walks of belief. It's, it's the differences of, of uh, what, what is required. And, and um, the, the truth of Christianity um, is that it's the only, um, it's the only religion that, that will say God has done all the work. Every, every other form of, of some man-made attempt to get to God is always do this, do that, do more. And maybe possibly you'll do enough uh, to please God. Uh, but the truth is that you can't. Um, and that, and that God, that God um, performed all that needed to be done through Jesus. And uh, like I said, he was a little bit frustrated. Um, and at that time, a book happened to come out, and he didn't read, so I gave him an audio book. <laughs> and it was a comparative religion book. And I didn't know if he'd be interested in it, but he, he took it, he read it, um, uh, listened to it, I should say. And um, a couple months later, he, uh, he actually moved away, and his sister came and found me at church and said, my brother just trusted in Christ. And it was this, this amazing story. And I have no idea if it was the conversations that we had or if it was somebody else. And, you know, that doesn't really matter. I don't care. Um, but I got to play a role in, in that. And it was, it always just sticks out to me of how God will use things like that, um, as a mile marker on somebody's journey to Christ. And that, that's always just stuck out to me. Oh, that's awesome, Brock. Um, so my story is also maybe like a mile marker story, story, but I'm working at this coffee shop and at the coffee shop, there's a lot of individuals who have just right out <laughs> asked me, you know, I, they found out I'm a believer and they're like, you're not going to shove the gospel down my throat, are you? And I was like, <laughs> um, no, I'm not going to. But, you know, if y'all ever want to talk about it, like I'm open to talk about it. And I knew in that instant I had to approach them a little bit differently um, and start just planting those seeds. Um, and so one particular person there at the coffee shop, he was applying for a new job because he had just graduated with a degree and really smart guy, really kind guy. And he'd been applying for quite a while. He was struggling to find a, a job. And so I added him to my prayer list and I didn't tell him that I was praying for him, but it, he ended up um, having an interview and I prayed, I prayed, I was like, God, you know, if you want this job for him, like provide the opportunity, provide, you know, the right financial security so that way he can say yes to this job. And um, also like, let this be a testimony to show that you care, you know, show, show that you provide, that you're a provider and that you are, you love your people. And um, so he ended up getting the job and after, Whenever I asked him, you know, how did the interview go? Did you hear anything back? He goes, yeah, I got the job. I start in two weeks. Weeks. Um, I told him, that's awesome. You know, I just want to let you know, I know you say you're not religious. I know, you know, you don't believe in God, but I did pray for you during that time um, that he would open the opportunity for you to have a new position that was right for you. And he stepped back stopped what he was doing because he was in the middle of making a drink like he was busy we were kind of at a busy time and he looked at me and he was like thank you so much like I really really appreciate that and I think that like small little act just showing that like believers are not hypocrites or they're not you know here to judge or condemn we're here to just love others really took him by the heartstrings and he doesn't work there anymore obviously so 
I don't know, you know, where he's at in his life journey, but I was so glad that I was able to plant that little seed um, in his mind and in his heart. And so I think that there's something definitely powerful about praying for those who don't believe, but also like letting them know when God is working and moving in their life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. Cause and I think all of our stories, um, I think illustrate how God can work in, in, in just a bunch of different ways. And it, it, it is a reminder that success in evangelism is not somebody saying yes to the gospel and success in evangelism is being obedient um, to, to the, to the, uh, the invitation of the Holy Spirit to, to reach out to someone and share and to be the hands and feet of Christ and, yeah. and, and to, uh, to impact their lives. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with that being said, Meg, what is something maybe even like unexpected that you've learned about evangelism since you've become a missionary? I think that goes back to what Brock was saying earlier, just about genuine care. Um, as missionaries, we we go through training. We go through all of these different things that say, here's how you reach someone and here's how you tell them about the gospel and here's how you portray these things. But it also comes down to genuine care and doing life with these people because when you are going in and going up to people who are, like you said, resistant to the gospel and they're like, you're going to shove it down my throat, whether they know about Christianity or don't know about Christianity, it's a very new concept for them and they don't know if they can trust us. And so being able to build that trust, build those bridges like we talked about earlier and really meet people where they're at and do life with them is something that I don't think we focus on enough. There's this objective that needs to be reached of telling the people about Christ, but he moves in those moments of simply sitting with people and seeing a movie or getting to work alongside them in a coffee shop or sitting with me in a classroom and getting to do life and love on people is something that we have to focus on as well because Jesus did come to share God's heart with the world, but he did life with people for 30 years on this planet before he started that ministry. And that's something that equipped him to be effective for God's heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, when sharing the gospel, we've de- we've talked about, you know, your mission outside of um, in the Middle East. But what is some ways that you implement sharing the gospel and being a witness to others here at home? Here at home, I would say one of the biggest things is just telling a little bit of my story. I mean, it's a very common question that I get. What? what do you do? And being able to say, oh, well, I'm actually serving in the Middle East as a teacher or a trauma medic. The first question I always get is why? I mean, no one looks at that and is like, oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. I want to go too. Like, (laughs) that's not the common. I've yet to get that response. And so that being said, because of that, it presents a really unique opportunity of talking about why we do what we do. I mean, it's something that as believers, like I said, our identity is so rooted, should be so rooted in Christ that it overflows. And so finding those connections and those touch points of here is who I am, why I have value and worth, why I do what I do. That's a very easy way to go into the gospel and share it from your opinion where people aren't feeling like 
you're shoving it down their throat. I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about my testimony, my story. And that is something that can very easily, like you said, like you can transition that to other people's stories so that they can see the Lord working in their life as well without it being like, hey, you have to believe and accept this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think finding that fine line can be difficult sometime. Um, And so with that said, LifeWay research states that only three of 10 unchurched Americans, which is about 29%, say that Christian, 29% of Christians have shared the gospel with them. So why, what do you see as the one to two reasons that um, more Christians are not sharing the gospel or their faith? I would say it's a level of comfort. Like you said, it's a fine line Mm -hmm. and it's very easy to step over that line and potentially offend people. And we hear the stories of people saying that, you know, the church is hypocrites and they've been wounded by the church and we never want to be that person who wounds someone. And so sometimes it's easier to stay quiet to avoid the risk of wounding someone But really, when we get down to the idea of what grace is, admitting that we're fallen and saying, forgive me if I step over a line here, but I love you and I want the best for you. And I mean, it's easy when we look around, we see a beautiful sunset or we see, you know, this past season, all of the beautiful Christmas lights out and we look and we see that and it's very simple to say, oh, look at the beautiful creation. But humanity is God's prime creation. I mean, we are at the heart of that. And it's so easy for us to look at humans and not see the splendor of his creation in that. And yet we are his finest. And so loving other people and pointing them to that is something that we as a church, I feel like step back on to avoid harming other people. But that's something that we really should want to extend that grace because we see their value and their worth. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely showing like God's heart for them. Right. And, um, Brock, do you have anything to add? Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's just, uh, just an incredible stat, um, that, yeah. that 29, uh, 29%. I mean, the three out of three out of 10 are the only amount of unchurched people who are saying that, uh, a Christian has shared the gospel with them. Um, which means you have, um, 71%. <laughs> who, who, have, who have never heard uh, the gospel from from a from a Christian, and and that's that's an, an incredible stat given how many people, when you ask them um, what they believe in in America, um, you're more than likely going to hear, "Oh, I'm a Christian." Um, so these stats don't line up with what what people talk about. So there's a whole conversation that we can have around there of like um, the great question to ask when somebody says that is, "What do you mean by that?" When, when someone says, I'm a Christian, what do you mean by that? Oh, you know, my family, um, we grew up in the church and I've been to church a few times and that's usually uh, what you hear. But once you start getting to, uh, what does the Bible teach? Who is Jesus? Um, things start changing uh, drastically on that answer. Um, but as far as reasons for that, um, I think one of the biggest is just the way the world has, has sped up and, and the amount of time that we don't have, uh, for other people. And, and so it's, uh, if we don't, if we're not intentional about making time, for the, the people that live around us, the people that are in our sphere of influence, whether it's family, whether it's friends, neighbors, coworkers, or others, um, if we don't make time for them, they just they just tend to exist next to us uh, for um, sometimes years on end, and they never once ever hear uh, about um, 
the Lord that loves them. And it's not out of spite or um, even out of out of fear, which I, uh, it's it's just out of a um, I'm so busy, I'm so distracted, I'm so overly entertained um, with the massive amount of opportunities I have to be entertained on my phone and through the, the countless streaming services and through busy schedules uh, of, of distraction and things I, that I just don't intentionally make time uh, for other people. And if we if we just did that. Uh, if we just if we just carved out time um, to get to know our neighbors a little bit more, uh, to hear their stories, um, then I think that that stat would change dramatically uh, because then suddenly you're no longer quenching the Holy Spirit. Um, but now that fruit's becoming to be born within you um, as a follower of Christ, um, to, which just naturally splashes over the person that you're that you're talking to, and Christ gets shared um, yeah. very naturally. Yeah. So let's say now we've carved out that time. We have, you know, we want to share God's heart for that person. But what would y'all say to someone who's struggling with like the confidence or the boldness to start sharing the gospel? Because I feel like that is one of the enemy's easiest ways to attack a believer and to prevent them from sharing the gospel. So um, what advice would you give to someone who's struggling with boldness or um, confidence? I mean, I would say that's something that every believer struggles with at different mm -hmm. times is the feeling of unworthiness and the feeling of, am I really good enough, equipped enough, blank enough mm -hmm. to go out and share this news? And the short answer is yes. I mean, God never, God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. There are countless witnesses in the Bible of the people that are weak and were made strong through his strength only. And he will, he will author those stories. He will open the door. We just have to be willing and say yes. And so that boldness is something that he's given us with the Holy spirit. There's a reason that Jesus left us with that in us and recognizing our authority within that is something that can equip our boldness to be ready and equipped in every moment to share as the spirit leads. Yeah. I mean, I second that whole wholeheartedly. <laughs> uh, I, I think a lot of it is we have a, we have a misunderstanding of what boldness is um, because you, when you think of boldness, um, a lot of people, I know a lot of people that, that, um, that, that we've talked to from Avanto, um, they'll, uh, they get this understanding that boldness is the, the very boisterous, outspoken, extroverted person. Uh, that says whatever's on the top of their mind and that they go into a room and command presence and that if they're not like that, then they're just not a bold person. And so that really evangelism isn't for them and they really aren't equipped to, to share their faith. That's for the, the person that is the loudest and the proudest in the room. Um, and the surprising stat that we usually convey to them is um, introverts usually make the best <laughs> evangelists <laughs> or the best at sharing the gospel because they listen and they listen to other people's stories and, and they respond carefully um, and kindly and with compassion. And the boldness that we're actually talking about um, isn't, isn't the take control, take command of the room. The boldness that we're talking about is the boldness that, that naturally comes from the Holy Spirit. Um, it doesn't come from us. It comes from God. I think the illustration that we give over and over again uh, at Avantel is, is uh, Paul in, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, I'm going to say three, one through five. <laughs> I don't, I didn't, I wasn't planning on, on quoting this uh, section of verse, uh, but uh, it's when he's in um, Corinth and he's, he's telling them, Hey, I, 
I came here and he's referring to his time when he was, uh, he refers back to Acts and he's like, when I came here, I came here with fear and, and trembling and uh, my words weren't, weren't, they weren't persuasive and I didn't come with this amazing amount of reason or this boldness, um, but I came um, trembling to you. Um, but he, uh, it gives us this reason in verse five where it says, so that your faith would not be put uh, in, in man, but in the power of God. And that's what we tell people all the time. And uh, if if you're there and and you're in prayer and you're asking God to open doors of opportunity, He'll provide the boldness to say what He has for you to say in the moment. It's not it's not boldness to kick down doors and and be loud. It's boldness to say what God would have you to say. But He'll provide it. He'll provide the power and He'll provide everything. And the whole purpose is that you would be weak, so that He would be shown as strong. That you may seem frail and faltering. But the powers is in the spirit, um, not in not in the messenger, and that I think that's something that that a lot of people need to hear and remember, and maybe be be encouraged by. Of if I'm if I'm not a very bold, outgoing person, that's not something that's going to hold God back. In fact, it's it's usually a, a great sign that you're someone who's likely a very good listener, someone who's very naturally bold and boisterous. I kind of have to train them to hey, you need to hold back and let somebody else speak. Um, get to know somebody's story before you just steamroll uh, into the gospel, completely overlooking uh, the church hurt that, that they've experienced or completely overlooking the trauma that they're going through because of, of a lost loved one. And instead of lovingly and compassionately sharing the gospel, like we see time and time again in scripture, um, just forcing something upon them so you can check it off the list. Yeah, for sure. So for the person listening who is feeling that heart tug to international missions, um, would you have any word of advice for them on the next steps if they wanted to pursue that? I mean, next step is to go. The Lord will the Lord will guide them. He will provide. And so making those connections and boldly declaring that this is what he has for your life is something that he will then guide you to the perfect place, the perfect people that he has for you. And so stepping forward in that conviction is the best thing that one can do. It's hard and it's scary. And I'm not going to say that it is not something that is one of the craziest experiences to have because the loneliness from that moment and the dependence that you find solely on Jesus is the sweetest, but the craziest thing to be stripped down to. And so finding, finding your comfort in that and stepping forward in that with grace and conviction and knowing that that may not be received with grace and conviction with, from everyone around you, but rest in his plan for your future and, start making those connections because he has a mighty story through each and every one of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Man. yeah that's, um, that's, that's awesome. It reminded me, it reminds me of the, of the call into any sort of, um, vocational ministry. Um, mm-hmm. it's not well-received <laughs> by, <laughs> uh, by everybody. It's certainly not well-received by the world standard of, of success of, uh, of finance and fame and, and, uh, notoriety. Um, but yeah, when the when the when the Lord's in it, um, it's and when you follow Him uh, faithfully into that, um, the rewards are unexplainable uh, from a worldly point of view. And His presence is is really undefined. There's no terminology to define His presence, 
um, from what we have in our, our vocabulary, but it's just always there. And, and it's, it's from the outside. It's, it's, it's confusing. Um, but when you are uh, living that out, following him on mission, it's just, um, it's amazing how yeah, he works in our lives. And, um, that about brings us to our time of, of, uh, this, this inaugural podcast of the 1615. Um, thank you, Meg, uh, for, for joining us and giving some time, um, to share your story. Um, as I mentioned, uh, we have a full interview uh, with Meg about, about her time in the West Bank and, and how God revealed himself time and time again and ultimately brought her safely out uh, while just, just showing his hand handprint on that process the entire way, um, as well as the impact um, that, that she's had on individuals over there and um, how well uh, that those who, who love the Lord over there cared for her. Um, just an amazing story. And so just uh, check the show notes for that, for the link to that. Uh, Meg, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, abs- absolutely. Um, Any time, really. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a privilege to be able to have you on here. And, and uh, just a reminder um, uh, to check out um, Avantel, um, to, to head over to avantel.org and, and uh, check out the website, um, check out the training. If you've never seen that before, follow us on our social channels for, for encouragement, for equipping. And, uh, and join um, us on this podcast every month where we'll be talking about um, uh, a relevant topic. And we believe that you can ha- talk about evangelism and, and make it kind of fun along the way, too. And so we'll try to do all of that and get you encouraged to share your faith, um, challenge you a little bit, have some fun along the way, and uh, talk about the Lord. So if you're interested in that, subscribe and uh, let's enjoy the journey together. <laughs>